This morning we're going to conclude our study together on living life without strife. Living life without strife. We began last Sunday, just want to quickly review what we talked about. We said that strife, literally meaning division, quarrel, uh, hatred, ill-feeling, contention, all those negative things that we have, that strife is really a cancer that eats away at human relationships. Strife is a cancer that eats away, it destroys human relationships. And uh, everybody experiences strife from the four-year-old child or a three-year-old child. They start having strife with the little brother or sister fighting over the little toy car or whatever. All the way to grown, mature adults fighting over all kinds of things. All the way to the higher ranks of CEOs and politicians, definitely. And all the kinds of people. Everybody experiences strife. We All of us have opportunities to get into strife with people. But... We said this, that, you know, strife is such a dangerous thing. And that we must do our utmost to keep it out of our lives. We talked about this, if you turn with me to James, the third chapter, the 16th verse. James 3 and verse 16. The Bible says in James 3, 16, For where envy and strife exist, the King James used the word strife, the New King James used the word self-seeking, which is an expression of strife. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So where there is envy, where there is selfish ambition, where there is self-seeking, where there is strife, the Bible says there are two dangerous things. There is confusion and there is every evil work. So every time we get into strife, what we're doing is we're opening the door to confusion to come in. And we're also opening the door to every form of demonic activity to take place. Every evil work to take place. That's why strife is such a dangerous thing. We've got to keep it out of our life. Never, ever allow strife to get in. Although we may have opportunities to do that. If a church, for instance, allows strife to come in, it's very likely that it's going to disintegrate very soon. Satan is going to take the opportunity to get into that kind of a church and begin to work all kinds, all kinds of evil in that congregation, destroy that church. If strife gets into a marriage between a husband and wife, now, you know, all of us have conflicts. I'm not saying there are no conflicts. All of us have. Amy and I have our share. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, if we don't do our, our utmost to keep it out of our life, you can be sure that the enemy is going to come in and our marriage will disintegrate. Life's going to be devastated and miserable. So we have to be careful to keep strife out of our life. And so this morning, what we want to do is really talk about how to keep life, uh, keep strife, out of our life. Tell me please. It's Proverbs 17. And verse 1. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. I want you to be established in the word of God. Proverbs 17. Verse 1 says. Better is a dry morsel with quietness. Than a house full of feasting. With strife. 
It's better to live in a small place with a little dry morsel than have a big house and all the feasting and all the uh, fanfare and all the things that show signs of happiness. But really there is strife. There's no point in being in a place like that. Amen? And though, then over in uh, chapter 20 and verse 3, it says, It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. It's an honor to stop striving. It's honor to avoid strife. Because any fool can get into trouble. It doesn't take much, much intelligence to start a quarrel. But really, it's an honor. It means you're a man of, of character, a man or woman of dignity. When you say, look, I'm not going to get into this quarrel. I'm not going to get into strife. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says, it's a mark of good character to avert quarrels. But fools love to pick fights. It's a mark of good character to keep strife out of your life. Amen? So what I want to do is just share with us some practical things here on how to keep strife out of our life. The first thing is this, just very, very commonsensical thing. Don't give strife a chance. Don't give strife a chance. Don't even give strife a chance in your life. Proverbs 17 and verse 14 says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Or the message bubbles puts it this way. The start of a quarrel is like a leak in a dam. So stop it before it bursts. So the moment you see now, let's say you're just having conversation with a friend or a cup of coffee. And you start talking about who's the best cricketer. And you begin with some of the names that you go along. And, but as you're talking about all this, you also feel the temperature getting a little hotter. <laughs> so excuse me. This is going from a well-meaning, mean, uh, you know, a, a good-mannered discussion to something a little bit more intense here. I can feel the temperature rising. It's heading for a serious debate. It's heading for a quarrel. The moment you feel the temperature rising, stop right there. Don't give strife a chance. Just start talking about football you know, or something else. Change the subject. Move away. Get out of that situation. When you see a leak in the dam, fix it. Before the dam bursts. So don't even give strife a chance. Now some other practical things that you and I can do. To just not give strife a chance. Number is this. You know, mind your own business. Very simple. But sometimes very difficult to do. Just mind your own business. Focus on what you have to do. And let the other person do what they have to do. Proverbs 26 and verse 17 Paints this picture. It says, He who passes by 
and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now you see it happen many times on the streets of our city. Two people on the roadside are quarreling about something. You don't know even what it is. You're going down the road, somebody in front of you, and all of a sudden they just pull to the side. Total strangers. They stop the bike. They get on like the chief justice. They listen to what this man is saying. Listen to what the other man is saying. Before you realize it, he's rolled up his sleeves and he's in the fight. And you're wondering, why on earth did he get into this? But the Bible says, you know, somebody who's passing by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his own is like a man taking a dog by the ears. You're asking for unnecessary trouble. Just mind your own business. Tell the neighbor, mind your own business. So never get into trouble that's not yours. You know, Proverbs 3 verse 30 makes such an obvious statement. It's listed here as a proverb. It says here, don't, do not strive with a man without a cause if he has done you no harm. You would think this is a common sense thing, but it's written there in the book of Proverbs. Don't get into strife with a man without a cause. Because he's not done you anything. Those two people fighting on the roadside, they've not done you anything. You say, but I, I want to, you know, administer justice. Well, the government has appointed some people called the policemen. Not you. So go get a policeman if you're so desperate to help. Amen? But it'll keep, it makes good sense for you to stay out of somebody else's quarrel. Just mind your own business. Another really important thing that will help us, you know, just keep strife away and uh, not give strife a chance is to watch our motives. Many times our motives are wrong. And when our motives are wrong, when we are motivated by strife, we're going to get into trouble. Philippians chapter 2, and I think it's verse 3, says, Let nothing be done out of strife or selfish ambition. Don't do anything out of motivated by strife. Yeah, yesterday he, he sent me this email. So today I'm going to send him something else. I'll send him a virus. Let's <laughs> what are you doing? Doing something motivated by strife. And just that thing that you're doing is going to give strife a big opportunity in your life. So don't do anything motivated by strife. James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 says, you know, why is there fighting among you? Why are there quarrels and quarrels among you? Is it not because you're doing so much motivated by your own sensual desires? Meaning you're motivated by strife. You're motivated by the wrong things. And this ends up creating wars and fightings among you. So check your motive and guard your motive. If, there is, if your motive is strife, your motive is, motive is because you want to you know, get back at somebody, don't do it. Because you're giving strife a chance in your life. A third thing is watch your words. Be careful of our words. Proverbs 18. And verse 6, Proverbs 18, verse 6 says, A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's lips, because speaking foolish words 
They get into strife and he deserves a good etc. A foolish, foolish words get people into contention. So we, we have to watch over the words we speak. Proverbs 22 verse 10 says, Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. A scoffer is a person who can say nothing but critical words. Now you always run into these kinds of people. You know, you you join a company, you go and they say, you know, here is Billy Joe. He's worked here for 25 years. Wow. Billy, you've been working here for 25 years. Yeah. Man, I'm the old horse here. But let me tell you all the nasty things that go on here. Year one, this happened. Year two, this happened. Year three, this happened. And he recounts the history of his 25 years. And he has nothing good to tell you. A scoffer. You wonder why did he stick to this job for 25 years? All he has to say is complaints, murmuring, bickering about everybody in the company. Nothing good to tell you. And the Bible says such a person is one who creates a lot of strife. Get rid of such a person and you'll get rid of contention and strife. So our words often get us into trouble. So watch your words. You know, sometimes even the remarks we make jokingly can create strife. You, know, you just make a fun about somebody's, the color of somebody's hair. That's it. You lost your friend. You said this in, in, you know, just as a joke. But those words hurt that person. Man, they spent 350 rupees to get that color on their hair. And here you are making fun of the color on their hair. You insulted them, man. And you lost your friend. So we got to be careful with our words. Be wise with your words. And we need to just very simple things that you and I can do to give strife no chance. If you're careful with your words, you can be sure you're not going to get into trouble. Amen. Second thing, how do we keep strife of our life? Control your temper. Control your anger. Proverbs 15, verse 18. Proverbs 15, verse 18. The Bible says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. A wrathful man, an angry man, stirs up Strife. But he was slow to anger. Allah's contention. You know, when I first got saved at the age of, uh, at the age of 12, I was just, just kind of growing in my Christian faith. I had a very, very serious temper. Out of control temper. I remember this so clearly. I was playing football, you know, in Bishop Cotton Boys School, one of our games period, we were playing football. And uh, we lo I love football, I was playing and uh, some guy, I don't know, we were the, you know, the heat of the game, and some guy did something wrong. He tripped me or something. And I was so angry. I turned around. I didn't look who it was. I gave him a good, strong kick on his back. Just to realize he was also a believer. <laughs> going to the same prayer group. That was it. At the end of my friendship with him, 
Now he was a believer, I was a believer, went to the same prayer group, but I couldn't, I lost my cool. I lost my temper and I reacted in such a way, he probably never forgotten and I was repenting of it for the last next several days. God, what did I do? And uh, this verse in Proverbs helped me a lot. Proverbs 16, verse 32, that says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, than he who takes a city. If you can control your temper, you're better than Arnold's. <laughs> Amen. You got more strength than Arnold, man. If you can control your temper. Because it says here, if you're slow to anger, you're better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, then he who takes a city. So I had to read this often. Tell myself, hey, listen, I just call it, man. If you can control your temper, you're better than being strong. You're better than a man who can conquer a city. And I kept coming back to this verse to help bring my anger temperature down and get my anger in control. So if you and I can control anger, control our temper, it's going to keep strife out of our life. And you know, a very important thing is to develop the ability to ignore insults. Proverbs 12 and verse 16, <clears throat> Proverbs 12 verse 16 says, A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. A fool's wrath is known at once. I mean, you insult him, he'll get back to you right away. It doesn't, take it doesn't need time to think about it. But a prudent man, if somebody's going to just cover it. Now you insult him, he's not going to respond. He's just going to cover it, forget it. That's a prudent man. Amen? Develop the ability to ignore insults. Because, you know, insults doesn't change who you are. Unless you react negatively to it. It's just people's opinions. Who cares what they think? I know that who I am in Christ is who I really am. So I don't care how they, what they say or how they insult me. It doesn't matter. Develop the ability to ignore insults. In 1 Peter 2, 20, uh, 2, 23, the Bible talks about Jesus who, when he was spoken ill at, when he was insulted, he didn't insult back. And it says we got to follow his example. So, if you can ignore insults and just let it go, like water off a duck's back, just let it go. You're going to be able to keep your temper in control and, and not, be, uh, not allow insults and things that people say to cause you to be agitated and, and cause your temper to flare up. Because when your temper flares up, it's very easy to get into strife. A third thing that you and I can do to keep strife out of our life is this. It is to... Develop the ability to respond with gentleness. A soft answer. Proverbs 15 and verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer. You know, so somebody's all heated up. They come to you ready to fight with you. And there's fumes coming out the mouth. The words are red hot. And they're spouting all that against you. And you're just so calm. And you give a soft answer. You've kept yourself out of strife. A soft answer turns away anger. 
But you know what most of us do? If you're 102, man, I'll go to 140. Let's see now. <laughs> if you always try to outdo the other person in loudness and in intensity, if you can shout, I can shout louder. And just escalates the whole situation. But the Bible says a soft answer turns away anger. So it doesn't matter if they're all angry. You don't get angry. You respond with gentleness. In fact, the Bible says that if you and I are servants of God, in 2 Timothy 2.24, it says, The servant of the Lord must not strive or must not get into strife, but he must be gentle to all people. Be gentle. So develop the ability to respond with gentleness, to give a tender reply, a soft answer in heated situations. Many times we'll just cool things down. A couple more things here about how you and I can keep strife out of our life. Develop the ability to yield. Develop the ability to yield. See, many times we are stubborn about the wrong things. And many times we are stubborn about things that really don't matter. And our stubbornness really keeps strife in our life. A great example is that of Abraham and Lot in Genesis the 13th chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but you can take time to read it. Just get an idea of the story. Abraham and Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew and they, had, they were on a journey towards the, to a land that God was going to give Abraham. And both of them had huge livestock and great number of servants, many servants. And it was, it was something that happened very often that Abraham's servants and Lord's servants began to quarrel and fight with each other. There was a lot of strife in, this whole, in the whole process of the journey. So Abraham realized what was happening and he goes to Lord and he says, Lord, you know, what's happening is not good. I want us to do something. I want you, Lord, to make your pick. Take Whichever part of the countryside you want. And I'll go the opposite way. He literally yielded to Lot. He said, Lord, you take what you want. So Lot looked all around. He saw the wonderful plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, man, that's rich. That's fertile. That's where I'm going to go. And so he took all his livestock and all his people. And they moved into Sodom and Gomorrah. And that time, after the Lord left, the Bible is so clear. After the Lord departed, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, arise. Walk through the land. Every part of land that your feet treads upon, I'm giving to you. And since that, mo- that time, Abraham's livestock increased greatly. Till Abraham's servant said, my God has blessed my master greatly. Whereas for Lot, he ran right into Sodom and Gomorrah that destroyed everything he had. He had to run for his life with just his shirt on. But Abraham yielded. Let go. So if you're fighting over a three-story apartment and you know your brother, your sister wants two stories and they want to give you only one, he said, okay, fine. You said, no, I want the half of the other one also. You kind of fight over all these things. No, no, no. Let go. Yield. Amen. You say, but you don't know real estate price has gone so up, so much. You don't know how much I'm losing in that one apartment. So much value is right there on MG Road, you know. Hey, listen. You can be stubborn and fight and keep strife as your friend with you in your one and a half apartments. 
Or you can say, I'll be happy with one. And let's strive, stay out the door. And let the blessings of God come. I'll do that. Amen. If you have strife as your friend, heavens are shut, no blessings. Amen. But you let strife out the door, God can really pour out his blessings. And that's what happened to Abraham. The day Lot left, God spoke and said, Abraham, everything else is yours. I'm your friend. I'm with you. And God multiplied it. What seemed a poor bargain for Abraham, God turned it into a great blessing. Now Lot looked at this side of the land. It was devalued in his eyes. No value. I'll take the fertile plains. I'll take the, you know, that side. He gave Abraham what he thought wasn't really of great value. But God came in and God was there. So learn to yield and, and uh, with the objective of keeping strife out. And you will see the blessing of God. You know, meekness is not weakness. It is strength in disguise. Amen. Meekness is not weakness, it is strength in disguise because the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. Oh, I think it was last Sunday, somebody wrote an article. The meek will not inherit the earth. But the Bible still holds, the meek will inherit the earth. They haven't lived long enough to see it happen. Just watch. Because God will never fail. God's word is true. The meek will inherit the earth. Learn to make peace very quickly. You know, in Matthew 5, verse 25, 26, Jesus said, agree with your enemy quickly. Agree with him before he takes you to the court and gets the, gets the judge to pass the sentence. Agree with your adversary very quickly. So make peace. Yield. Give up. Let go. It's okay. As long as you, your objective is to keep strife out, and by yielding, you're able to keep strife out, the blessings of God are sure to follow on your life. So what you might lose by yielding, God can give you many times over through His blessing. So yield. Let go. It's okay. Make peace. Agree with your enemy. There's two more things here. Fifth, don't keep an account of wrong. How to keep strife out of your life. Don't keep account of the wrong that people have done. And how suddenly you're talking to somebody and then they say, hey, remember 25 years ago? This is what you did to me. You've long forgotten it. It's gone. But they haven't forgotten. They remember the day. They remember the time. They remember what shirt you were wearing. They remember what was the color of your hair. Everything. 25 years ago, you said this. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, that love takes no account of evil. Our love doesn't keep score of the sins of the others. Love never keeps a score. So if I'm going to live a life, a strife-free life, I must learn to make the slate clean every day. Other people's slates. Amen? So don't keep an account of what they've done against you. Just wipe the slate clean. Forgive everybody. You'll be able to keep strife out of your life. Proverbs 17 and verse 9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. You lose friendships. You destroy friendships by just repeating a matter that's not right. 
Forget it. It's done. It's over. It's gone. Let go of it. But if you repeat it, you're going to destroy your friendship. If you cover it, it means you're really going after love. Forgive quickly and forgive liberally. Forgive quickly. Now Jesus said, if you come to pray and you realize somebody's done something wrong against you and you've, you've got something to settle, go and settle it before you come to pray. Amen? Settle it quickly. So if you settle the matter right then and there, you can pray anytime. Just pray. If you keep a long score, man, you've got a lot of running around to do before you can start praying. Because you've kept the score of everything wrong. A lot of running around before you can come to pray. But if you can just, just release it right then and there, forget it, settle it, close the case, wipe the slate clean, you're ready to pray anytime. You know, Peter came to Jesus one day in Matthew 18, 21 and 22. I think it was John who was troubling him. This is off the record. It's not there. <laughs> but John must have been troubling Peter a lot. You know, first time, strike one, he forgave him. Strike two, John the beloved, I'm being nice to you, forgive you. Strike three, John, again, forgive you. And I think after this, Peter couldn't take it anymore. He said, let me discuss this with the boss. So he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm not mentioning any names, but I just want to know, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Jesus knew what was happening. So Peter said, should I forgive him seven times? John's pretty close. Just two more strikes. Seven times. Is that okay? And Jesus tells him, Peter, it's seven times 70 or 70 times seven. In other words, you know, hey, Peter, just be liberal. Just keep forgiving. That's how John became the beloved disciple. <laughs> so, so Peter had to forgive. Unlimited numbers. Just forgive. Keep forgiving. So be liberal in forgiving. Don't keep an account of wrong. And if you and I can do that, we have no reason to get into strife with people. Amen? No reason to get into strife. Because I've forgiven whatever they've done. The last thing here is about binding demonic operation. You know, there are times when, I'm not saying all the time, most of the time it's our responsibility. We are doing the ones who are doing wrong. But there are times when strife and confusion in your relationship can be caused directly because of what the devil is trying to do. Right? You've done nothing wrong, they've done nothing wrong, but yet you're finding something's happening here in this relationship. Things are not going the way it's supposed to go. Then it's very likely it's because the devil is trying to destroy that relationship. So it's very likely it's the spirit of strife that's coming in there and trying to work at breaking that relationship. And that's where you need to rise up with your God-given authority and use the sword of the Spirit, speak the word of God and declare peace in that relationship. Declare that it's a kingdom relationship where there's righteousness, peace and joy. And I will not tolerate this uh, a strife or division to come into this relationship. You take your God-given authority and keep spirits of strife out. Of that relationship. So that's another thing you and I will need to do. To maintain peace. To keep strife out of our life. Amen.
So I want to close with this challenge. As individuals, the Bible calls us to put off strife. In Romans 13, last two passages, let me close. Romans 13, verse 12 onwards. The Bible says, the night is far spent. Tell a neighbor, it's morning. It says, the night is over. The day is at hand. For call center people, it's all reverse. <laughs> it's night time now. The night is over, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us get rid of the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. How do you do it? Verse 13. Let us walk properly or decently as you would during the daytime. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So he says, let's walk decently. What does it mean to walk decently? Walk like you were walking in the daytime. And one of those things is, let's get rid of strife. Live a strife-free and then he said, put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. So I want to invite every person here that you make a choice that you're going to live life without strife. Now all of us are going to have opportunities with your friends, with your neighbors, especially if you're living in apartments. Or turn on the music loud. You try to turn on louder. Let me show them. No. So we all have opportunities to get into strife. But the Bible says it's high time we got rid of it. And instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are people of the day, not of the night. You've got to walk decently. Get strife out of your life. And instead put on Jesus. It's a challenge for all of us. We've got to determine saying, you know, I don't care what happens. I don't care what other people do. I don't care how many opportunities I have. I'm going to live my life without Amen. I also want to call us as a church to be a church where there will be zero strife. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 133, it says, How good and how pleasant it is for God's people, for brethren, to dwell together in unity, in harmony, in peace. It's like the holy anointing oil that flowed down Aaron's beard and all the way down to the ends of his garments. It's like the dew that descended on the mountains. For it is there God commands life and blessing. When we as a people have a church where there is zero strife, we're going to experience the anointing of God. We're going to experience the freshness of God. The dew is going to be there. There's going to be life there's going to be blessing. Amen. It's up to you and me for, to have a church like that. Where there is anointing. Where there is freshness. Where there is life. Where there is blessing. It's up to you and I to make that happen. To have a body of people where there is no strife. Where everyone is walking in love. 
and peace and harmony. Everyone understands the importance of keeping strife out. Got an issue? Settle it. Take care of it. Forgive. Forget. And don't repeat it. Amen? Don't even write it down in the history books. Write the good things down. Write the successes. Write the things God accomplished. But forget the failures. Forget the negatives. Forget people's mistakes. Let it go. Let it be erased. Because the Bible says God puts our sins in the depths of the sea. Never to remember them. Amen. If God doesn't remember, then why do you and I take the trouble to remember? Amen. We can use those memory cells for something else. Let's stand up to our feet this morning. Call the worship team up. Some of us here, we do things sometimes motivated out of strife. You can change that. As you're standing here, say, God, you know, I realize that some of those things that I'm doing that is really motivated out of strife, I, I want to change that this morning. Some of us may be very loose in our words. We say things and we don't realize we're actually hurting people and it's a reason why we are losing a lot of our friends we could pray and say God I want to be a little bit more careful with my words some of us here may be having a very hot temper a very fiery temper and it's very easy for us to get angry and lose control but you heard this morning that if you can control your anger you're better than a man who can run a city just ask the Lord saying God this morning give me the grace to bring my temper in subjection to the Holy Spirit Give me the ability to ignore insults. Because it doesn't change who I am. Who I am. Unless I respond negatively. Some of us need the ability to. Even when people speak rudely to us. Our response always has been. Angry words for angry words. But you say, God, from now on, just give me the grace that even if somebody speaks very rudely to me, I'll respond with gentleness. Some of us may need to have the grace to yield in our lives. Just let go. Our stubbornness is not only holding on to things, but it's holding on to strife. We just let go. When strife goes, God's blessing will come. So you just pray and say, God, you bring about this change in my life so that I can live a life that's totally strife-free. Lastly, for some of us, we've got a very good memory. 
especially of all the wrong things, all the wrong that people have done. We've been keeping a score of, of the wrong people have done. But this morning you say, God, I ask that you'll erase it clean. Just help me to let go, Lord, of all the, this record that I have of things that people have done against me. Husbands and wives. There's always opportunity for strife. There's always conflicts in every marriage. But husbands and wives, it's up to us to say every at the end of every day, I'm wiping the slate clean. My spouse's slate, I'm wiping it clean. I will not keep an account of what's happened. It's up to you. As we're standing here, let God deal with us. Bring about the change. Let's just seek the Lord as we sing. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I Give you my soul. You have your word. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have you wait? God, even as we stand in your presence, we humble our hearts before you. God, we pray that you will bring about change in our hearts. And as a result, God, that there will be a healing and amending of broken relationships. Father, let healing flow right now. A healing and amending, Lord, of relationships that have been, that have long been broken. 
relationships that are not the way they should be, God. Where there is peace and harmony and good understanding. Let there be healing, O God. Not only of our hearts, but of relationships in our lives. Father, even as we go from this place, as we go back to those people that we've struggled with or we've fought with or we've had differences with, Father, let the work you've done in our hearts this morning begin to affect those relationships. That we'll begin experiencing healing, Lord, flowing into those same relationships. There can be peace and joy now because our hearts have been changed. Lord, in Jesus' name, I just speak your word upon your people and declare, God, that we are like trees planted by rivers of water. That we will bring forth our fruit in its season. Our leaves will not wither and whatever we do will prosper. That your blessing is upon all the works of our hands, O God. God, you make us the head and not the tail. You set us up above only and not beneath. That God, your angels stand guard to to protect us and keep us in all of our ways. That no evil shall befall us, no plague will come near our dwelling, O God. That no weapon formed against us will prosper. That every tongue drives us up against us in judgment, Lord, we will put down. Because your word says so. Declare your word upon your people and thank you, God, for fulfilling your word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord 